Hi everyone, welcome to Go With The Flow, Yoga Conversations with Ben and Rihanna. I'm Rihanna. And I'm Ben. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3. Uh, thank you, Chloe and Liz. Uh, my name is Ben. And um, Rihanna is, of course, here as well. Um, so um, just to introduce myself a bit, uh, I am a uh, yoga teacher for eight, um, yeah, eight years now. And then I've been training yoga teachers as well since 2017. Um, we are both from Inner Power Vinyasa, which is our Vinyasa Yoga Teacher Training School. Uh, um, and we all, I, I teach at Beyond uh, as well, and I'm one of the managing partners of Beyond Yoga uh, as well. So I've been practicing since uh, 2010, and this is my 10th year practicing yoga. Right. So hi, everybody. I'm so thankful to be here, and I hope you're all okay. Um, so my name is Rihanna Gatos, and I, am, I have been teaching yoga for 10 years, and I... Um, started practicing back in 2006 or 7 so all the way back then Ben and I pretty much have the same description so I am also one of the um, managing partners of Beyond Yoga Studios and um, we've been leading teacher trainings since 2017 and actually uh, Chloe and Liz were actually our pioneer batch of students um, yeah. for those trainings so they are batch one and our favorite. <laughs> we are we, we are uh, we are always <laughs> obliged to say that. Oh. We are bullied to say that every year. Every year we have new babies. So um yeah, welcome to the talk. Um we we really prepared for this talk so much. Um, uh, more than our uh teacher training because you know, we've been, no because we've been doing teacher training for what? Four years, so that's kind of second nature to us already. But this one is very new, and it requires processing a lot of uh, new information and new perspectives as well. Some things that might feel about um, controversial as well. But you know, um, as yoga teachers, we don't shy away from controversial, and we basically awful. thrive. You know, thrive in. And you know, in going through controversies and crises, and uh, I think this is a good time to be a yoga a practitioner, and also going into you know being introspective about um, our yoga practice. Yeah, yeah. So I've always seen yoga as some sort of rebellion, and which is why um, you know a lot of us probably are thinkers of a different sort as opposed to maybe some of the people who go on around you. I think it's safe to say that um, if you practice yoga, there is something that will spark your intuition and kind of see things from a different perspective and a different lens. And um, especially in these trying times like today, I think it's very important to talk about what our role is as practitioners of yoga and how our practice and its philosophies are relevant to what these times are going, what it, what it is we're all going through today in the Philippines and globally. So like, yeah. that's what we're going to break down. Yeah. 
so we're uh, we're gonna use a a slide to help us uh, you know present through. So that kind of changes the visual dynamics of it all. So I'll also send the link to the presentation so that you can look at it if you have a separate screen. If you like, if you have your phone, for example. So it's here, and then we're gonna present this um, presentation right now. Share screen. All right, so this um, this uh, talk is entitled Yoga as Freedom, and um, we want to talk about our yoga practice in this uh, um, you know time of great social change. So, um, of course, we all know where we are right now. We are in the middle of this crisis, which is COVID nineteen, and what COVID nineteen has done is to you know, um, really reveal the structural inequalities. Mm -hmm. Sorry, in our society today, and um, um, as yoga practitioners, um, it's kind of hard to place yourself or you know, situate yourself in terms of what you what do you put out there? Like, what do you what do you show people? What do you say out there? Um, what well, how do you react to things? Mm -hmm. Um, because we've seen the reaction, you know, um, uh, in the last few months, we've seen how people felt, how people reacted, and the result of this structural inequality, the result of the exposure of the structural inequalities is that um, people are speaking out, yeah. and people are, are talking about issues that have been there for the longest time. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Philippines, we've seen grief, anger, despair playing out online, on Facebook, on Twitter, um, in the news, we've seen, um, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, protests as yeah. well in the streets despite the epidemic. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen, um, in globally, we've seen, you know, the anti-racism anti movement um, kind of uh, reaching a tipping point with the Black Lives matters protests in the u.s and which spilled out also all over the world mm -hmm. um and as as someone who is seen like this or like, this is black lives black, black lives matter as someone who is seen like this you know this is our optics during yeah. the covid 19 pandemic you know so optics is like the what is the political visual that we put out there in the world and people see us as zoom you know, Zoom practicing, home yogis, yeah. uh, and that's it. I mean, why? I mean, how do we, how yeah. do we put our yoga practice in perspective yeah. without looking like we don't care? You know, I think, I think it's easy to categorize us. I mean, it's easy. We're we tend to be looped into all the other kinds of fitness um, um, practices out there, which I think is very correct and relevant, and we are there for that reason also. But for those of us who have been practicing, we know that there is something deep as to why we have been coming back over and over. There is something rooted within us that tends to be trans tra that transcends beyond the asana that we do, the yoga practice, the physical yoga practice that we do. There is something about it that. Um, changes our lives for the better for the most part and i think um of course when you see um 
when you see what yoga teachers are doing these days, um, it's easy to categorize us as, like what Ben said, just this, as people leading classes online and not really political. And as much as possible, the idea that most yoga people have nothing to do with politics or, or speaking up or being loud about what you stand for. So, yeah. yeah. It's not a question of whether this is wrong. It's a question of, oh. is it enough? Or mm-hmm. is it all that you can offer? You know, because, yeah. you know, yogis are not one-dimensional people and the yoga philosophy does not also expect us to be one-dimensional mm-hmm. in terms of our practice. Um, so I want to talk about, um, where's my answer? I want to talk about the myth of the peaceful warrior. So (laughs) for a very long time, we have been peddled a myth of the the peaceful warrior. Mm -hmm. And this one started in the 60s and the 70s, you know, after the two wars, World War I, World War II, Mm -hmm. in the middle of the Cold War, you know, in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. And during the height of um, the Vietnam War, uh, the, the peaceful warrior arrived in the U.S. And uh, yeah. this is also the same time when yogi, yogis from, the, from India started coming to the U.S. So you have Indra Devi, the, the first female yoga teacher from the West coming to, uh, to into the West, rather. Uh, and then you have uh, Shivananda, yeah. uh, Iyengar, Pratabi um, Joyce started coming into the U.S. And then they saw an opportunity to, you know, to teach yoga because people are tired of war. Yeah. And, you know, people are... The fatigue was really taking toll on people, I think. And so yoga came as this, like, new esoteric thing from the East. And so I think the packaging of the Peaceful Warrior um, stemmed from this idea now. They're war fatigued, they're tired, and... Yeah, so parang the, 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 PR, the PR of coming in as peaceful yogis started. And I think yeah. that's where it's translated into what people think yoga is today. Yeah. So the situation was you have states who, have, who wield you know, legal power, legitimate yeah. force, are attacking other states and the innocent people in other states. And I think in, the, in that historical context... The desire to, you know, to cancel war basically is legitimate, and the desire to engage in non-violent means of uh, of protesting is also um, it it was used to drive a point, which is, you know, if you're using violence to enforce or force your power on people, then we're gonna choose this path. Yeah. Um, which is peaceful, you know, nonviolent. Um, in, in uh, we're just gonna yeah. inward spiritual. So, so the idea is that if you work on your process, if you work on your breathing, if you work on your meditation, you know, so you try to quiet the inner war within, and then hopefully that will radiate outwards to yeah. the world. You know, um, nothing wrong with that. You know. Yeah. And it's still, I think, very true. But I think what the question poses, especially in this particular time where social change is very relevant and happening and it's really bursting at the seams already and I think people have reached peak level of exhaustion already over 
social inequality in all around the world. So um, the question that we are posing, especially to us as yoga practitioners, is that can we still afford to be peaceful warriors in this time? Like, is it still okay to just portray ourselves as yoga practitioners as inward, quiet, um, compliant at some point, right? So, yeah. um, this we is don't where, want to stir the pot. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to cause harm to others yeah. by not saying your, or not, not speaking your mind, for example. You know, mm -hmm. we don't want to, to disturb the so-called inner peace of others. But, I mean, it's not, we're not saying that peace is a bad thing, but we have to correct our perspective. Like, yeah. what is inner peace in yoga? Inner peace is the end. It is not the means. No. So in this time of great social change, what we want to achieve is inner peace for all. Not, for, not just for ourselves, but for yeah. everyone. Um, and sometimes the means to get there is not similar in essence to what our end goal is. Yeah. And that has a very, very deep root in, in yoga philosophy. We're going to go back 2,500 years ago, actually, no, uh, 3,500 years ago to, to um, the Mahabharata War. And um, this is the, you know, the Bhagavad Gita, which is a chapter of the Mahabharata, which is an epic, uh, also a, a philosophical text in, in, uh, in India. Bhagavad Gita is one of the most important texts in yoga philosophy. Yeah. But it's also the most contentious, especially yeah. in this time of the myth of the peaceful warrior. Because Krishna was telling Arjuna, the protagonist in the war, to go to war. To go to war. He's telling him, you have to go to war. And some, sometimes people interpret this as uh, you know, violence, you know, that yeah. Bhagavad Gita is espouses war you know and yeah. and war is uh you know war war is a good thing but that's not the point of the bhagavad gita and the um, and the um, and the mahabharata the point of the point of the bhagavad gita is it's teaching on our dharma our duty and our duty our purpose specifically the dharma of work meaning putting in the work towards reaching our our uh, objective of self-realization. Mm -hmm. The antithesis was before all of this happened, before the Bhagavad Gita, during the Vedic period, during the time when, you know, uh, the, the, the roots of the yoga philosophy was starting, just starting to take hold. Uh, you have a choice. You have, you can go meditate, do the inner work, or do the actual work, but without attachment to the results of the work you know just doing what you have to do you know doing yeah. your part basically mm -hmm. um and we find ourselves in that same situation again because during that time people were like i don't want to do uh you know i don't want to do the earthly work that i have mm -hmm. to do because i just want to do the spiritual inner work yeah. but then the mahabharata came out and then and then the bhagavad gita came out and then the Bhagavad Gita, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna said, Go to war. Go to war. Not because war is amazing, but because that is your job as a, as a soldier and a king. You know? Soldiers and kings lead people into war. Uh, 
it's a very long story. We don't have enough time for the Makamarata. <laughs> it's, um, it's a very long epic. Um, I, I have the book here, but it's very thick. So read it na lang on your own. But uh, there's a war. There are two parties. One's evil, one's good. The good one says, I don't want to do this war. But Krishna said, you have to do this if you want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. There. So, um, I think it's very relevant to these days. And I, I, I always find that I always come back to that story, even after all these years, past all the, all the years of teaching. Parang, I think it really boils down to who I am as a teacher and like um, really taking into consideration like if I'm a practitioner, if I'm a, I'm a yoga teacher, what is my yoga about, right? And is my yoga practice about nice shapes and fun flows and my handstand practice? And these are all very valid things. But I think for me as a practitioner and especially as a teacher, I want us to see ourselves as parang the gatekeepers of um, that inner peace, right? So we really have to come, come through in our practice and really figure out what it is we are practicing for. And if we practice for ourselves, yes, but I think we need to make that energy move past ourselves and transcend into the community around us, which I think is very important. And I think that is my duty as a yoga teacher, as a yoga practitioner, to speak of social inequality in that way. So I think um, yeah, if you have that time to read the Bhagavad Gita, it's really, 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 really relevant, especially in our times today. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's the shorter part of the Mahabharata. So it's just this thick, 18 oh. chapters. And it's, in, uh, it's a conversation between this, these two folks, uh, Krishna yeah. and Arjuna. So Krishna, of course, is the, the god, the avatar of Vishnu. And then Arjuna is the king uh, uh, at the time. So it's the one leading people into war. Um, the the Bhagavad Gita also talks about another important philosophy, and that is what are the gunas. components of our nature. No? So they are referred to as the gunas. No? So every one of us, and actually everything in nature, is composed of three aspects. No? So the first one, or we'll start with the first one on the right. No? So we're going to start with tamas on the right. Tamas is, it's the same root word as Tamad in Tagalog. So, tamad, <laughs> pag tamad ka, tamasik ka. Meaning, it's the downward, destructive, well, uh, ano ba to? Parang, it breaks down things. And then, rajas is the upward, the, you know, the accelerating uh, energy in us. No? Uh, so, tamas is the, parang, inertia. Rajas is the energy or the acceleration. Sadva is equilibrium or balance. So in in the yoga practice, for example, so when you do uh, mga ano ba, uh, arm balances, when you do a flow, when you bring your heat up, that is rajasic energy. Yeah. You're using your rajasic gunas or your rajasic component. When you start taking things down, like when you start to do forward folds, you start to bring it down. That's tamasic energy. energy. And then at the end, you get sattva. Savasana is the closest we can get to a sattvic state in a uh, yoga class. 
um, are they bad or are they good? They're not. They're not bad or good because yoga is not, yeah, not dualistic like that. So they are what they are. So they are parts of nature, and they they are important parts of. Nature. And what's what's very interesting about yoga philosophy is that, um, we have been very much like almost immediately even looking at it. Even the color kind of makes us think that it's a bad thing. Do you know what I mean? Even the wording of it. Pero what's nice about yoga philosophy is that it's all neutral. These are just qualities that everything in nature has and happens with or without any preference, any good or bad context. So you want to be able to see stuff through this lens because a lot of things in life... um, a lot of things in nature, I'm not going to say in life, are, <laughs> are neutral because obviously not. But yeah, so these concepts are not necessarily um, good or bad. So it's really important to try to find this lens to remove our prejudices against um, heaviness and lightness and activeness and being calm. And yeah, yeah so you want to be able to see it neutrally. You know, change is a part of nature. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's no question about it. Change is, change will always be there. And in the yoga perspective, in order to change, we have to, you know, un, you know, we have to kind of unsettle things yeah. that stagnate. You know, mm-hmm. tamasic things are stag- stagnating things, and we are in a stagnant place right now. Like yeah. uh, racism has been around. Well, racism probably has been around forever. Yeah. Um, slavery, you know, the 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 the, lack, the disintegration, mm-hmm. and what's happening right now in the U.S. But aside from you know, aside from racism, there's also social, uh, inequality. social inequality. You know, the anti anti poor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These are these have stagnated for I mean for the Philippines. For the last 400 years, ever since colonization, we've yeah. accepted the fact that the poor people are poor people, and we can't do anything about it. And mm-hmm. and what yoga is asking is to use your rajasic energy to upset the tamasic in ourselves and also in society. You know? Yeah. Because um, otherwise, we won't get equilibrium. You know, for ourselves or for others. And um, Sometimes, anger is a tool for change. And this is not me who said this. This is Sri Swami Sachidananda, who is a very, very old man. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, he has a commentary on the Yoga Sutras. Mm-hmm. Um, when things or people are stubborn, you may have to use anger. Yeah. The keyword is may have to. You have the choice. Yeah. And it's okay to be angry, but mm-hmm. he wants us to have a perspective of change. You know? mm-hmm. um, what, what he's asking is that we use, we anger. use anger. We mm-hmm. use anger and not be angry. So you do not personify the emotion or the energy, but you use the energy. Yeah. You separate your anger from yourself, mm-hmm. but you use that energy to change things, yeah. to drive change. And I think, I think it's it's really nice. Actually, in these times, I think it's really nice to see people 
really speaking up and parang even with the let's say kunwari, the terror bill the <clears throat> the terror bill that's about to pass the um, attack on uh, attack the on the freedom so parang i think i think it's really important to have these uncomfortable situations and always come from a place that is even keel that is more sattvic so anger is not a bad thing it could be something that um, sparks change in someone and it could be something that fuels you to do do more for your yourself and for your community and i think as yoga people if this is in our philosophy and this is ingrained in our practice it's really important that we take these things yeah. into into action now we walk the talk and we have those difficult conversations and we i don't know send the emails to your representatives but yeah parang, um i think it's it's nice to see how um how really old 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 um philosophy is still relevant to this very day yeah. and it's something that we can use yeah. that's because human nature has not changed from thousands of years <laughs> we are the same human beings when we when we started walking on two feet and we have the same problems we have the same nature you cannot deny that i mean the 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 people who you know we're the same people who wants to have sex now and still wants to have sex 10,000 years from now or 10,000 years ago because that's instinct that's nature you know you want to eat your ubichis pandesal because that's instinct <laughs> that's your cravings you know running after you in the same way you know <laughs> this is me <laughs> as a human person you know um people because they have started putting yoga people into pedestals oh, are holy uh we're not you know we're we are all equally holy that's the thing we are all equally deep, divine, sacred. No one is more, you know, nor more of a sacred count than any other. And the older, the oldest philosophers will say the same thing. And I think we start, we have to start seeing ourselves. ourselves and human nature as, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, as separate from things who have control over nature or our own nature. Like, for example, if you go to yoga classes, we often hear teachers saying, leave your ego at the door. You can't do that. Yeah. Ego is part of your nature. What you can do is use your ego. Mm -hmm. Use your anger. Use all your emotions. Use all your human nature. Yeah. And use that to transform. Use that to, to inspire change. For example, this, this goddess, favorite Miriana. Yeah. That's my selfie. <laughs> <laughs> So in the in the Hindu Trinity or Trinity, so this is Kali, no? So Kali is the it's our girl. Cons Kali is her girl. Uh, Kali is the <laughs> consort of Shiva, but I I really don't like the word consort because it sees them as oh, ano lang yan. parang side chick or partner. Kali and Shiva are yes. the same energy, so mm -hmm. they are they are two aspects of the same energy, which is often referred to as the destroyer, you know. And, you know, in semantics, uh, we always have connotations of things. So pag this, when you hear the word destroyer, diba you feel fear and, uh -oh. and, you know, you don't like it. You don't like the word destruction. And but, coming back to the yoga philosophy, all these things are neutral. The destroyer yeah. is not necessarily something that is um, 
destroying stuff for the sake of. So um, the way Ben and I see it as is she is like this side of all of us that exists within that is capable of um, really powerful change in life that is um, our ability to create ripples in society and in the people around us and really be able to destroy maybe samskara or old patterns. If we're used to doing things over and over and over again the same way, we want to think of this side of ourselves or the Kali side of ourselves as someone that is able to break through old patterns, old ways of thinking, old ideas that keep us from seeing other people in ourselves, right? So, Yun, I, I like her a lot because yeah. I think she yeah. is the fighter within all of us. Yeah, yeah. that's the warrior we want to be. The, when you say destruct or destroy, we, we mean it really, you know, from a certain perspective, it really means to deconstruct, you know. Yeah. When you deconstruct things, you put things back to their most basic form. Mm-hmm. You put things back to their building blocks so that you can create new things. So in essence, destruction really is a prelude to um, transformation. You know? So to destroy is to begin to transform. Yeah. Uh, our teacher, um, Leslie Kamenov says, confusion is the beginning of wisdom. If yeah. you are not confused, you are not learning. Mm-hmm. So the process of transformation is ugly in our terms. I mean, but of course, that's us being very, you know, uh, ob- uh, subjective about it. We don't yeah. like, we are also primed to look at things that it should be orderly, should be clean, not messy. But, you know, mess is mess and mm-hmm. it's there. Chaos is chaos and it's there. And it's and yeah, it's our attitudes yeah. towards these that have to change and not mm-hmm. not nature itself. No? Yeah. yeah. Um, when we when we talk about freedom in yoga and which is the title of our of our talk, no? we mm-hmm. we talk about the concept of kaivalya. kaivalya. So kaivalya is the final chapter of the yoga sutras. No? So for context, Yoga Sutras are a bit younger than the Bhagavad Gita, so it's a more recent text. Um, and in and in the Yoga Sutras, uh, Kaivalya is defined as absolute rebel, uh, liberation, absolute liberation. Um, many commentaries call this as this is the final attainment. This is the like this is the etunayon. This is the last yeah. stop. No. But there is this, you know, there is also this parang obsession with vilifying nature. Like parang mm-hmm. er, er, everything flesh is evil, everything nature and human mm-hmm. is, un, you know, undesirable. Yeah. So parang there, has, there is another perspective which says that you can attain this absolute liberation for yourself by transforming nature, not yeah. by avoiding it. So nature itself is not evil, but it's a means to an end. No? Yeah. Pretty much I like, think, yeah, I think this go is, ahead, Daniel. I think this is why, um, you know, when we talk about meditation and how we set ourselves up for it, we kind of really have to take ourselves out of 
you know, we have perspectives ingrained in us. And I think it's quite hard to be removed from it because we grew up a certain way. We talk to people who have a certain perspective. And these people may be family and friends and teachers that we've been around forever. But what yoga asks of us is to kind of take ourselves out of the situation and take seat of observer. And if we remove all the biases, all the prejudice, and all the preference that we have, we'll re we realize that um, there is less dualism in the world, and a lot of it was created by all these walls that have been put up in the way we see things. So um, I can't remember where I saw it, but parang, um, I think there was something to the effect of like, there's a problem when we kind of see people as separate or different from us. So which is why I think um, we find freedom in, in stripping ourselves of all of that, in really being able to find freedom in that oneness. In the, in the commentary that I have, which is by Marshall Govindan and mm -hmm. uh, Parky by Sri Aurobindo, mm -hmm. um, they say that... Uh, Freedom is referred to as the final attainment, but really what it is is a new beginning. You know, it's not the end, but just the beginning of the end. In the Yoga Sutras, when people reach attainment or reach self-realization, they attain certain powers or siddhis, no? or siddhas, or siddhas. Um, and, and often these are things that, you know, that people like, or yeah, like people like the Buddha achieved Jesus Christ, uh, you know, walking over water, transforming mm -hmm. matter into multiple loads of, of stuff. These are, you know, these are enlightened powers. And and Marshall Govinda says that you can you can when you reach that stage, you will have the power to be instrumental in awakening and in the transformation of the human race. Yeah. But the question is, why wait? Why, why not do it now? Like, why yeah. not start now? Why, don't, why do we have to wait for us to have you know, special powers before we help other people out? You know? yeah. When in yoga practice is your laboratory for life. Mm -hmm. The practice is not in itself. The practice is a means to get out of the world and show people this is the perspective that I get from my practice. This is what I learn every time I go to a humble warrior, every time I go to a downward facing dog, a handstand. I use that energy because I want to transform things. I want to transform my body. Mm -hmm. For the sake of what? No. And For the sake of learning that you can transform things beyond your body. And we yeah. know that We've heard it lots of times. I'm sure every one of us has heard that um, yoga is union, right? I think that's the definition that most of us are quite aware of. And I think as much as that is true, there are so many things that get us in the, that keep us from really seeing that oneness. So what yoga is for me, the oneness goes beyond um, unifying mind, body, and spirit, although that is super important also. But I want our oneness to be something that is that goes beyond ourselves. I think that oneness needs to be something that we as 
warriors, we as yoga practitioners, is something that we have to defend um, greatly. Um, <clears throat> so if, the, if our practice, the very definition of our practice is to bring together, is to have oneness, I think it's our duty. Like the Mahabharata said, if we are practitioners of this, of this um, well, practice, of this philosophy, that oneness is something that we have to defend if we're going to be what yoga is about, right? Yeah. So it needs to go beyond practicing on our mat. Because yeah. in the end, what is it all for, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, as a final thought, if, if yoga means union, mm-hmm. and if the divine light inside us is the same divine light inside others, then it is our business to make sure that Others have that inner peace and others are free Mm -hmm. because their inner peace is also our own inner peace. And if that same particle of universe inside another black person is not free, then you will not be free either. Mm -hmm. So until we get to that point, there's no freedom for anyone. So I think we're going to end our talk with that. Yes. (laughs) And um, we're going to open our chat up for... Comments, comments, and questions, questions <laughs> and confusion, which is the beginning <laughs> of wisdom. Uh, yeah. Anyone? Para may mga chat. Aside chat. Sikad as a side chat. Are you shocked by what you heard? Um, you know, probably some of you are shocked by what you heard, but um, there really is a lot more to yoga philosophy than just. Vinyasa, upward facing dog downward. <laughs> that is just scratching the very tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. And, and those are all very important. Huh? We're not taking away from us. Because as teachers, like kami, and as practitioners, parang that's the entryway. Eh. But yeah. I mean, if all of you are here now, and it's so wonderful na parang um, we're all here because we helped someone else. Like I think it's great that the initiative to make this into something that is donation-based, um, based on a donation that you, a cause that you really believe in is really important and very telling of um, um, how yoga has made an impact in uh, the girls of Yoga Break. And I think that's important. Yeah. Um, if you have, um, if you want to have further readings, I can recommend the Bhagavad Gita penguin version um there's a penguin classic Bhagavad Gita um if you want to have a discussion about it you can message us there's a there's a question in the it was accidentally sent privately to me okay is yoga a contradiction to the catholic beliefs or does it add on to it so this Um, is a question we get a lot and i it's really nice that this is brought up because i think this is something that brings um, well, we all, we're all from Filipino families, diba? So, yeah. The idea of yoga is quite stressful to a lot of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, go, Ben. This is your... Ano. Is it a contradiction? Yeah, that's the question. Ah, okay. Well, you, you'd be surprised that a lot of, you, a lot of you know, yoga philosophers consider Jesus as a yogi. And, uh, and the siddhis that he... The powers that he presented when he was doing the gospel rounds were uh, siddhis or powers that are documented in the Yoga Sutras. So when you read the Yoga Sutras, 
you kind of feel a bit of a you know when you're a hair raising experience that these things like walking over water sounds so familiar like i've heard you know i've read this somewhere before uh, and that's because uh for yogis people see the teachings of jesus as complementary to, yeah. to them but you have to understand the context of catholicism uh-uh. Uh, and I don't mean offense to anyone, but Catholicism has been has developed in the context of Western uh, phenomenology. Like um, the the Westerners like to think that there's one absolute truth or one you know there's one representation of truth, which is why this you know you have a mon- monotheism, yeah. you have a singular president government, you have all of these things that you know there are only a few rich people in the world. It is built on that system that portrays power as centralized and consolidated. Mm-hmm. And um, the present-day Catholicism is probably an antithesis of actual Christianity. Like, not, you know, the, not the other denominations, but the, the, the Christian, Christianity as it was thought, uh, taught by Jesus. Like, there is only one law that Jesus said, love your neighbor, as yourself, love God above all things and love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is the golden rule. And that's it. That's what he said. Any, everything else is kind of canceled. Like the Old Testament was canceled when, when, when Jesus came out. And then this is the only rule that you have to live by. Unfortunately, that was distorted by people 400 years after he died. So, and that's where Catholicism comes from. So I know it's hard. It's a hard process to grapple probably. The thing is, there are many practices in Catholicism that you would understand more if you practiced yoga. Rosary praying, for example, is a form of meditation. Yeah. Uh, singing in Mass is a, a form of devotion. It brings your energy up. The liturgy is a symbol of, you know, of the sacredness of the divine. And, yeah. and if, you're, you know, if you're just a, you know, a, a Catholic going through the motions, you will not have an appreciation of that. But I think like when I understood yoga a lot more, I understood Catholicism a lot more. Same. And but you know, the people who the people in my life who call themselves Catholics think I'm like the Antichrist or I'm like the also. demon. But you know, but you know, I don't care really because you know in Also I'm a nice person. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm you know, nice parang, parang, um at the end of the day. For yoga, kasi, what's the what the nice thing about yoga is that there are many paths to the same destination. For many religions, we are the only path, and you have to pay us to get to the destination, right? So, uh, I have a lot of issues about the materialism of the church, the grandeur of everything. I think those things can be put in a better place, along with the other things that come along with it. But yeah. in terms of the belief system. I think there's a lot of resonance and we have to separate, you know, we have to separate the physical institution that, that was created to propagate the belief. Yeah. If I would stick to the belief and, and without having to, you know, keep propagating this, you know, this power. power I mean, how many of us here are, how many of you are women? <laughs> how many of <laughs> us here are women? In the Catholic Church, you can't be a priest. You can't be the Pope. So parang, 
how, why would you put up a system that sees you as not equal? So parang, I don't see it, you know, I don't see it. I don't see any sense in it. So that's I think it. it's just, um, <laughs> it's another, for me, uh, parang, uh, I think, I think also the reason why um, a lot of the times, especially growing up and then coming from a religious background, parang it, it caused a lot of um, stress within me because there had to be one way of doing it and then there was only this way and if you don't do it this way, you're bad and if you're, you'll be punished and you'll go to hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? So parang I, I just wanted a relationship with my God that's easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That didn't have so many steps. And I no think, guilt. Oh, oh, no guilt. No original sin. No fear of going to hell na if I make mistakes, right? So parang, yeah. um, I think we have to take this perspective that yoga is against Catholicism because to be honest, people who practice yoga and really know what yoga is about realize that we don't care. Yeah. You can do whatever all, you yeah. want. All your all your beliefs are valid and are very similar yeah. to ours. But yeah. what makes yoga not a religion is that there are no rules. It kind of is just a big toolkit for you to go about your life and deal with it the best way you can. Yeah. 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 Yoga is harder because the responsibility is on you. You yeah. cannot blame a saint. You cannot blame Mama Mary. <laughs> you cannot blame God for forgetting to intercede for you because it's on you. The punishment is you get reborn. And and in yoga philosophy, life is suffering. I mean, who the hell wants to go through another pandemic next in the next lifetime? So um the the objective if you found yoga is to find liberation in this lifetime. And liberation is not always orange robes walking around begging. Liberation is, you know, Practicing in this, living this modern life with a, a lot more mindfulness. Yeah. And, and using that life purposefully because dharma is purpose. And, and your dharma might be being a mother for now. Your dharma might be being a daughter or a good worker. But you have to do it well because that's where, that's where you get that sense of you know, um, liberation. There's dignity of work, for example. We, 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 we like to say that. But more than dignity, we get liberation and freedom when we do the things that we are meant to do. And that's the, that's the only way for us to get rid of karma that we yeah. accumulate all throughout our career. Which I think is for another discussion. Yeah. <laughs> karma is another big thing, but you know, uh, it's not what you think it is. But um, yeah, any other questions? So, that was a big question about Catholicism. Oh, so. oh, oh. <laughs> Then I can um, go on kasi for like till the end of the on. day. But like for two hundred hours. <laughs> um anything else? Any questions? Reactions? Are you angry? Or are you using anger? <laughs> um you can no more questions. Just naman yeah, over there. time na ako. Ah, there. I so ayon ha bani kiai. Oh the idea of using anger, not being angry. Given the current issues facing the country, there's a lot of people on social media feed that are very authentic about the current situation. Mm. True. They post and complain about people who vent their frustrations online, nakakal bad vibes, which I 
feel comes from such a privilege. Oh my gosh, don't get me started. Instead of ignoring these people, I started engaging in discussions. Because really, till when can we stay silent? Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Yay! Oh, we missed the podcast also. But yeah, we'll bring it back. But I, I yeah. really appreciate that you said that because... Um, yeah, if you're not gonna speak up now, then when? When you yeah. gonna, right? And yeah. if you believe in something, parang for me, kasi you can't be a yoga person and not have a stand. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You can't be a spiritual being and not hold up any any values yeah. for yourself in this in this yeah. space. Dorothy says, I, I've also heard yogis bring up ahimsa or non-violence, but I think it's more violent not to speak up. That is so true. And um, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, ahimsa yeah. has, has often been abused by so many people saying that, you know, you should only be kind to animals and be vegan. But really, I mean, if you're... Just putting us in you know, a box also. If you're... If you're neighbor is not eating while you're eating vegan food like there's still violence outside right? so how do you how do you apply ahimsa equally and with justice to everyone super enlightening and eye-opening uh this talk i just want to clarify if you want to know more on yoga philosophy we should look up Bhagavad Gita in google and a message will send you um information reading links uh, so there are a lot and uh i can give we can give you a reading guide yeah. just reach out to us but yeah i think we're over time we're over time so yes. um <laughs> but we're still um ben and rihanna are the best obviously we totally <laughs> If you want to learn more, they have a 200-hour teacher training coming up. So reach out to them. Uh, We know what we know. So I suggest you just talk to them and see if that's something that resonates with you so that you can learn more. Um, But yes, we do do have to wrap up because we have (laughs) uh, coming up and way more happening um later today um thank you so much ben and rihanna that was thank you that everything that i wanted to say but couldn't articulate how to <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> that, that you know yoga is not just on our mat and it's a point that we chloe and i wanted to drive home during this uh day of yoga that it's way more than just an asana practice so i hope you guys have some key takeaways i'm sure everything was so um, thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you Namaste, everyone. Namaste. Namaste. Thank, thank you. So you. Much.